0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host.
1: Thank you and welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports, on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason. And I'm Fabian Nardai. And our show today, today we're going to be covering a large variety of topics here Uh, I know we're going to break down some of the NBA, some of the awards they've given out, the impending labor dispute um, And break down some of those teams that did not make the postseason, what they can do to improve Uh, We're going to be looking at the Major League Baseball season currently in progress Um, The NFL, certainly a lot going on there with the lockout, all sorts of things uh, going on in the NFL with the draft, the lockout, tons of issues over there. Uh, And then we're going to kick off our states and sports segment with the uh, sports here in our home state of Arizona. Uh, But it looks like we're going to open things up here with the NBA. Uh, So I think our first topic with the NBA is definitely the awards that have been given out so far. Um, and the awards still to come in the future. Certainly a lot of good seasons this year from a lot of players. We're really seeing basketball being played at a high level this year.
2: Yeah, definitely. NBA has really continued. It's one of those sports that were this level of difficulty and the skill has really increased over the last couple of years. So many athletic players coming through, and also lots of young players coming through, like colleges one and done. Lots of players going through that route. Some of those players are like John Wall. Uh, exactly, and it seems like maybe over the last
1: few years we had some players kind of aging out of the league, um, but now it seems as if the replacements for those players, these young guys, have really started to show up, and it's showing in these award ceremonies. Um, a lot of guys who really wouldn't have thought of a couple years back... Um, certainly being thought of, at least, as candidates for some major awards in the NBA. Uh, so let's start out with 6 Man Award, which is already given off to Lamar Odom, who's more of a veteran guy. Odom,
2: the longtime Sixth Man, really, for the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, Lamar Odom probably really deserves this award because he's been around the league a lot, and he's always been solid wherever he's gone and hasn't really been appreciated. And this year he was actually up for possibly the final vote on the NBA All-Star team and was probably I would say snubbed although the person that did beat him out Blake Griffin was phenomenal all year long was and he really did deserve the award and as the year went on even though he wasn't sixth man for the entire year because of Andrew Bynum's injuries when he did step into the starting position he was solid and the other guy who I would maybe consider for the award was maybe Jamal Crawford who's also been around the league for quite a while uh, yeah, I agree with Crawford. It's really the only other guy who can really make a major
1: claim to this award. Um, this is definitely one of the less competitive ones so far this year. Odom definitely uh, definitely had a very impressive season. But Crawford's a guy, definitely a true six-man, um, did not start a single game this year, actually. is played exclusively off the bench, led all scorers off the bench. He won it last year. I don't know if that was really a factor in the decision-making for the award voters. Odom, again, a guy with a lot of athleticism, probably brings a lot more versatility to the table than a guy like Jamal Crawford, who's really just one of those instant offense guys. You know, you stick him in and he scores some points. Odom, a very versatile player, and like you mentioned, starting in the place of a center even, Andrew Bynum. Odom certainly with his length and his size and his athleticism brings something
2: to the table. Very few guys can. I think that's what made him the sixth man of the year this year. I think another reason why you saw Jamal Crawford sometimes show off his age a bit more this year. His number production was kind of down this year compared to last year. Although he was still solid. and Especially down the stretch for the Hawks as they made their push to get a high seed in the playoffs. Which they eventually got the fifth seed.
1: Right, that's definitely something you're going to see in common when it comes to the award-like six-man of the year is those teams are going to be playoff contenders uh, in order to have a six-man of the uh, as good as Lamar Odom or Jamal Crawford. So now let's move on to the most improved player of the year, already given out to Kevin Love. Uh, it's, again, hard to argue with that one. K-Love had a monster year, 15 rebounds a game. Uh, I'd be curious to see what his overall rebound stats would have been if he hadn't gotten injured at the end of the year. I think the main argument against him really is just the fact that he really turned it on at the end of last year.
2: Well, also, remember, he did have that 30-30 game during this year, which hasn't been done in so many years. But also, one thing I've noticed, and lots of NBA analysis would also agree with me, is most of those players on the team that was on the U.S. national team last year, representing them in the FIBA World Championships that would win the gold medal, really just sprouted out this year. Like... Derek Rose and Kevin Durant and Kevin Love. And Kevin Love averaging about 23 points a game and 15 rebounds a game, pretty much being the only real offensive option, pretty much carrying the Timberwolves team, unfortunately, unsuccessfully as they had a, poor, a dismal year. But hopefully, maybe in this year's draft, they can acquire someone or maybe during the offseason, hopefully if there's no lockout, get someone that can help improve that team and maybe help Minnesota turn into powerhouse. Certainly. Minnesota, a couple pieces away, but Kevin will have a great
1: guy to build around. And uh, if we go back to your point there, as the international game really become a bit more of a factor in the NBA, especially just going back to this last Olympics, where the, where the players put a big emphasis on winning that gold medal, we know the Redeem team, uh, after a couple of disappointing performances by these NBA All-Star teams going over to the Olympics... And we know international play that Olympic teams actually what birthed the big three in Miami. Those guys became friendly through the Olympics. And it seems to really be a big deal impacting the day-to-day NBA game. So that's definitely a good thing for all fans of basketball around
2: the world. Yeah, especially with last year's FIBA World Championships, all the free agent frenzy, most of the players actually decided not to compete. So some of the under-recognized players, but players that definitely had a lot of upside like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, like I mentioned earlier, really started to sprout in the real up-tempo, high-atmosphere play, and really turned into NBA All-Stars like they are now, and that really has been really good at developing these players, especially with the great program they have there with Coach Mike Ciesczewski, and headed by Derek Delangelo, really have created a good program and creating really great teams for Team USA.
1: Definitely, especially for some of these one and done guys getting to play and develop under a great college coach like Coach k could certainly help. Uh that brings us on to our next year awards. Speaking of coaches, we have Coach of the Year. Um I know you're a big
2: fan of Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Yes, definitely last year. Vinny nothing against Vinny not grow he did a solid job with the Bulls last year. He, they actually made the playoffs But the reason was, you could attribute this to the addition of Carlos Boozer, but Carlos Boozer was injured for a majority of the early part of the season, and the Bulls were still successful because of Tom Thibodeau, the former assistant of the Boston Celtics, who I knew numerous teams wanted to be their coach. Really implemented a real defensive atmosphere. Bulls are now one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in the league, as well as Derek Rose has really improved into a stellar player. Carlos Boozer has settled in well and this is a really great half-court team, really deep. They can shoot outside, they can pound it inside, they can keep up and play with any team in the league, and that's why they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference this past season.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of factors going into the Bulls with that best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, You're listening to the Voice America Kids Network. The show today is Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason, joined here by Fabian. Um, And if you'd like to send an email to the show, make sure you send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure you mention one of our names. It's Jason and Fabian. And mention the name of the show, of course. That's Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. You never know; you might hear your question read on. Speaking of sports, uh, we're breaking down NBA awards right now. We're currently on Coach of the Year. Fabian just made a great coach, a great case for Coach Tom Thibodeau, Coach, uh, first-year coach of the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls had a lot going for him this year, and I think that might actually hurt the chances of a guy like Thibodeau. If you're looking at Derrick Rose, who a lot of analysts are giving the MVP a lot of depth on that team with the great move to sign Carlos Boozer, that might draw away from some votes, uh, especially when you add in the fact that they actually did make the playoffs last year. Whereas you look at a guy over in Philadelphia, Doug Collins, the guy who is known for bringing these bad teams and giving him major win improvements throughout his career as a coach, former coach of Michael Jordan, of course, both in Chicago and in Washington. And you look at this Philly, this, uh, Philly team that has really dramatically improved this year, seemingly without adding a lot of talent. Uh, they did draft Evan Turner, second overall pick in the draft, but Turner's really been a work in progress, and I think the team itself making the playoffs is a big credit to Doug Collins, who was really able to get a lot out of his guys.
2: Yes, I know Evan Turner, I might be too early to say this, but sort of has had the appearances of maybe being a bust, because his, he's had every once in a while that one big game, but hasn't really been there. And also Doug Collins has been the guy who's been a winner, but left right before the championship, similar to Buck Showalter with the Diamondbacks, until Bob Bradley came in and finally won the championship the year after he left. And also with the teams he had, like Doug Collins, As right after he left, Phil Jackson came in as head coach, and the Bulls started winning the, the run of great championship contenders. And also, after he left Washington, they became a solid team. And now this team, he's really led them from the ashes to these Really, know as one of the best coaches in the league, especially if you want to help rebuild your team. And Doug Collins, really, with that team, the highest leading sc- score for Andre- is Andre Iguodala He's averaging like 14 points a game. That's pretty much the third leading score on any other team. Really, he's led probably the bench best bench that made the playoffs this year, and most depth and the most team atmosphere, especially with Elton Brand, who is largely considered a bust after he was signed from the L.A. Clippers, he's really reinvented himself as more of a defensive presence and a big-time rebounder.
1: And I think that's the big the big thing for Doug Collins is that defensive presence. Collins has really gotten his entire Sixers team to buy into the Doug Collins defensive system. He's got him playing great defense out in Philadelphia, and I think that's certainly been the deciding factor leading them to the playoffs. Uh, he's certainly gotten some help from Iguodala, both on offense and as a lockdown defensive player. Uh, But I think if you just look at the level of talent in Chicago, I think that's going to affect Tom Thibodeau's chances. Either way, certainly two great coaches leading
2: some good teams. Yes, and also look at the Defensive Player of the Year, which is already awarded to Dwight Howard three straight years winning it. It's really just a tribute to him. He really deserved it because really has been the only real defensive great player on that Magic team which is filled with offensive talent. Exactly. That's a
1: great defensive player. I don't think there's much of a debate there. Uh, Running short on time in this segment, come down to the last award, MVP, Fabian. Break it down, Derrick Rose.
2: Why is he the MVP in your eyes? Derrick Rose, just phenomenal. He has really improved himself, especially in the last couple of years, has improved every single year, and also has improved his outs shooting. And I remember seeing him in the national championship game when he was still with Memphis against Kansas, he couldn't seem to make a free throw in this past year. 86% free throw, sure, just phenomenal, and has really led this team and really become a more proficient passer and scorer.
1: Definitely going to be a tight race. between. Uh, definitely going to be a tight race. You've got Rose, you got Howard, who we already mentioned, and, of course, LeBron James, the reigning MVP. Uh, If you'd like to email the show, be sure you send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure you mention one of our names, it's Fabian and Jason, and mention the name of the show, Speaking of Sports. Now, let's take a break. I'm Jason, joined here by Fabian. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
0: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action.
2: Welcome to the program Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Our t- right now we're talking about Major League Baseball and some of the issues we have right now in Major League Baseball and maybe stuff that could be a bright sp- spot for Major League Baseball.
1: Uh, Yeah, certainly a lot of things going on right now in the MLB. Seemingly every sport right now has got a labor dispute going on. Um, And Major League Baseball's collective bargaining is up sooner than you'd think. Um, But I don't think that will really go into a lockout. I think the MLB still remembers the problems they had with their last player's strike. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But you've got these teams with these struggling finances, like the L.A. Dodgers, who Major League Baseball has taken over the day-to-day
2: operations for. And also, you talk with the Mets how they had lots of big spendings, and really none of them have panned out. None of That's them. That's also put them in a really horrible situation.
1: Exactly. That combined with some of this controversy, um, they've been involved a little bit with the Bernie Madoff situation, um, and those two financial problems have definitely led to some question marks in New York for the Mets. Uh, but certainly, the Dodgers, I think, are the team right now this season who's been more impacted financially uh, due to the divorce of their two o- owners. Um, and certainly with the MLB taking over the day-to-day operations of the team, uh, we'll have to see how that affects their decisions come to trade deadline, really.
2: Yeah, Dodgers have really been exposed to controversy so far the entire season for Major League Baseball because of the opening day Brian Stowe incident and also the divorce, the MLB taking over of the team, as well as also you can also include how attendance has dropped down way below its normal standards, especially this early in the season. Right. Certainly
1: economic times have been seen. The impact of them has been seen throughout sports. Um, but I agree, the Dodgers are certainly a place where it's been seen the most, both in the front office, as we've mentioned several times, and in the stands also. But you've got to wonder, come trade deadline, if the Dodgers are one piece away from making a playoff push, with the MLB pretty much in charge of their budget, you've got to wonder if they'd be willing to take on a contract. I gotta imagine
2: they really wouldn't be. Well, Tim Kirkjian from ESPN has already said, with a close source from the Major League Baseball, he said, "If it's w- as long as it's not a really big spending, it's small spending, which you can get lots of good talent for small spending. If it's that, they will probably allow that deal to go through, possibly help, because look at the, how the Major League Baseball handled the Rangers last year. They had." So uh, they had major league control, and still they were able to acquire Cl- Cliff Lee, even with major league controlling uh, day-to-day operations.
1: Right, there's certainly a history of that, and that's certainly good news for Dodgers fans. Um, of course, they've got some on-the-field problems also. Matt Kemp, certainly guy has been a question mark for a few years, as much talent as anybody, uh, got off to a great start this season. We'll see if he's able to continue that a guy finally seeming to get his potential, his full potential, that we haven't really seen in a few years. They've got a fresh manager, Don Mattingly, certainly a guy who knows as much about baseball as anybody, and seemingly a good replacement for Joe Torre. Um, And really the only constant in that team has been some of the starting pitching from Oral Hirschheiser, or or no, I'm sorry, I misspoke, Um, has been some of their starting pitching, and the hitting of Andre Ethier has really been a big factor.
2: Yeah, Andre Ethier the last couple of years has really established himself as the leader of that clubhouse, the leader of the team in right field, and has been the clutch guy down the stretch. But lately, the pieces that they had around him are starting to fall away. Like Cl- Casey Blake, you can tell he's starting to age. They don't have Manny anymore. They don't have really any power besides Ethier and Kemp because Loney was originally... Supposed to be brought on, and they were alright with not having his power because they had Manny. Manny's gone, most of their power's gone. They really have to depend on Loney now, and Loney really, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to step up to the play and really deliver.
1: Right, James Loney's certainly a great baseball player, but there's a bit of a reason why there aren't too many defensive base first basemen's in the MLB. It's a spot where you need some power in your order. Uh, They've been making up for it in the past few years with Manny, like you've mentioned, but Manny no longer uh, with his retirement after being signed by the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So that's certainly an issue they'll have to deal with in a very competitive National League West. A lot of talent in this division.
2: Yes, the National League West is really a tough division because, yeah, the defending world champion Giants and they have its phenomenal pitching staff. And look at Colorado. They made a great run down the stretch last year. Unfortunately, unable to play at the playoffs or even be a part of the playoff, because San Diego had such a great run last year. But Colorado has really gone unnoticed until now. Because look at Troy Tulowitzki. especially from last year until now, in about in about two months worth of bats, twenty-three home runs from Troy Tulowitzki. He's been phenomenal. And Carlos Gonzalez has really established himself as a serious MVP candidate. He's one of those five-tool players that you really, as general manager, foam at the mouth for.
1: Right, five-tool players certainly few and far between. The Rockies definitely have the big advantage having one of them. Uh, the other advantage the Rockies have is this year is they finally have gotten out to a hot start. The Rockies came out of the gate with one of the best records in baseball, uh, Troy Tulowitzki hitting very well in the first month of the year, certainly. Um, and that's had a big impact on the way that you have to look at this team because you know they're going to be good down the stretch.
2: And also, they've gone, gone off to this hot start. Without the Rays, who was pretty much one of the best pitchers in baseball last year, especially in the first half of the season, Ubaldo, man, has been mostly spending his time on the DL lately.
1: Right. Ubaldo, we know, at his best, is virtually unhittable. We all saw the start he got out to last year. I uh, didn't finish quite as well as people may have hoped for. He looked like a runaway Cy Young winner in the first half of the year. Certainly, if Ubaldo is uh, able to be a huge impact on that team like he has been, they've got what it takes to challenge the Giants, who have their own starting pitching uh, for everybody else in the National League to fear.
2: Yes, and also, look, looking at the bottom of that National League West from last year, and also looking to how it's so far been this year, look at the teams, like some of them are teams that are possibly on the rise, like the Arizona Dimebacks, who really have short up on their bullpen, it's really improved over last year. Although their offense is something missing at times, the key hitting. And also, they still lack that that one ace pitcher that they had, but they traded away, which was Dan Heron to the Angels. And also, San Diego Padres, they were away from making the playoffs last year because they had easily the best bullpen in the league, but... In the offseason, they did make that big trade, sending pretty much their entire offense, which is Adrian Gonzalez, to the Boston Red Sox.
1: Exactly. Adrian Gonzalez, also formerly known as the San Diego Padres offense, traded to Boston. And like you mentioned, they've got an electric closer in Heath Bell at the end of that great bullpen. Um, But there's been some discussion for several years now if the Padres might actually look to trade Bell. Um, and there was a lot of discussion around Gonzalez also that took a few years to develop. You gotta wonder if they're finally hitting that stage with Heath Bell also where they'll eventually move him.
2: Yeah one place where he could probably go is maybe Texas Rangers because Tommy Hunter went down with the injury and if Feliz who was originally subject in spring training maybe he could start maybe he could close because he was so great as a close down stretch last year. Spring training he improved his secondary pitches but now he started the season as closer, but with injury to Tommy Hunter, he had moved to the starting rotation, and now also the injury to Josh Hamilton. It's good that they made a trade from Mike Napoli to improve that power, but the par- price they had to pay for Napoli, which was Ben Francisco, now he's gone, and he was he would be the guy that probably be the closer, so who knows who the closer would be the Rangers. Maybe they could get Heath Bell in that trade.
1: Uh, certainly, that would be a big impact on the American League. I know the Rangers have said previously that they would prefer to have Neftali Fleas as a closer instead of a starter, but we'll see. Sometimes you have to do what's necessary,
2: not what you'd like to do. If you'd like to email the show, send it to voicemarkkids at com, And make sure to mention my name, Fabian, or Jason, and mention the name of the show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. Uh, so yeah, we're going around the Major League Baseball
1: division by division right now. We're talking about the NL West. Um, we've broken down some of the teams at the top, the Dodgers financial issues, along with those dominant play of the Giants and Rockies down the stretch last year. Uh, we've been touching on the bottom with the Diamondbacks and the Padres, uh, and certainly an interesting division, certainly more competitive
2: these past few years than it had been some of the prior years. Yeah, they've always... Like, In the beginning part of the 2000s, that decade, maybe people were saying ALE is definitely the top of the top, cream of the top, cream of the crop of this entire Major League Baseball best division. And then NL West was just so weak. But now you see the Giants with their phenomenal pitching staff, and the Rockies with Tulo and Cargo. And so many great teams are starting to really make an impact throughout Major League Baseball. And also, I think that a division that you pro- I probably would really look forward to seeing how it unfolds would be the AL Central. It's really been a mix of especially coming out of the gates with hot starts by Cleveland Kansas City, teams that last year and the last couple of years have been way at the bottom of that division.
1: Yeah, the AL Central is a bit of a mess. The White Sox have a lot more question marks than they usually have. That's a team that always seems to pull out uh, some consistency based around their kind of consistent centerpiece, which has been Paul Canerco over the past near decade. Uh, Minnesota Twins, who are a constant contender in there, they've had some issues. Joe Mauer taking some time on the DL early this season. Hasn't been able to put up the numbers quite like his MVP season since then. Um, you've got the Detroit Tigers, who certainly are always a franchise with a lot of question marks. They've got a lot of talent there, uh, but do they have the pitching beyond Verlander? And then, as you said, Cleveland and Kansas City. It's it's bizarre, but there's a time they, uh, they jumped out to hot starts, and they've certainly made themselves look like contenders in that AL Central.
2: Yes, Chicago White Sox, according to their manager, Ozzie Guillen, have really no bullpen. They're considering, joking, of course, but... Considering bringing back Tommy Bobby Thigpen as their closer, as Matt Thornton and the rest of that bullpen has just been horrible down at the beginning for the White Sox. Now, some Minnesota also having issues with depth. Uh, Michael Codine, Justin Morneau, still somewhat struggling to re- recover from that concussion from last season. Joe Nathan struggling coming back from uh, Tommy John surgery, so he's had forced to go to set up role behind Matt Capps. Detroit. Surely got the offense. They have Miguel Cabrera, is probably one of the best pure hitters in all of Major League Baseball, except the rest of the rotation, other than Justin Verlander, who himself is very shaky in their bullpen and has been really weak. Meanwhile, Kansas City really has come out of the gates with, with Jeff Francis coming back from injury, has really been good for them, and also Cleveland. I think the real reason Cleveland's doing so well, first of all, Dustin Masterson. Really, it's become their Ace four0 one.79 ERA out of the gates. And the thing is, it's because he's they say he's reinvented himself and really changed his uh, mechanics, not really so mechanic and robotic, and turning into really a great sinker ball pitcher, and also since Chu, who's really over the last couple of years has been one of these best players, one of the best unknown players in major baseball, a rare five tool prospect. So let's take a break. I'm Fabian Nardia.
1: And I'm Jason Cheslin.
2: Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America
0: Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't
3: or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune in to Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids.
0: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
1: Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program. Speaking of sports on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And today, we're talking about numerous topics. Right now, we're onto the subject of the NFL. And of course, if you're going to talk NFL this offseason, you're going to be mentioning the lockout. Um, the lockout certainly kind of casting a shadow on the rest of the NFL offseason. We've had these events. The NFL draft certainly affected by the lockout, although not as much as the Players Union was initially suggesting. Um, there were initial talks of players, uh, the Players Union suggesting draft picks boycott the NFL draft. Uh, not as big of a deal with that towards the later weeks so coming up to the draft. Um, but the lockout's certainly impacting everything, uh, affecting
2: players, affecting management, and affecting the way the teams can operate. Yes, one of those reasons why the team can't operate that well is at the beginning of March, that's generally when the NFL starts free agency, trades, lots of like movement from players between teams. But since that can't happen because the lockout started at the beginning of March, None of the teams can really improve and really make those changes they can until possibly after the dispute's over, and even then, possibly not. And also, the NFL Players Association has tried to decertify and lots of lawsuits going around, which lawsuits resulted in remediation between these two sides, trying to see if they can get an agreement together, hopefully start NFL season.
1: Right, and the players are, of course, uh... Trying to get the lockout removed without the um, without any agreement from the owners, just trying to get the lockout lifted uh, by the legally, of course. Um, and the owners are actually starting to claim that that's interfering with the process of negotiation. So we got to wonder if players are actually being a bit self-destructive in this. Um, and maybe if the two sides could actually find themselves staring at each other at a negotiating ta- negotiating table, if that wouldn't result in the end of the lockout because um, I know right before we actually went into the lockout, the last day of the bargaining agreement, when the players and the uh, when the union and the uh, NFL owners actually got into negotiation discussions, they came up pretty close to an agreement. Um, I understand things were pretty far away from the financial specifics,
2: uh, but there were at least offers made in that 11th hour. Yes, but even though those offers... The the players were even saying that those were just false offers to say they made an offer. Although, the NFL owners weren't really meaning it. It was really far away from what they had talked about. And that, really, it was just poor, like mismanagement, delaying negotiations. But I do agree with the players in saying, let's just play. Because these players, I know that they want to play the game. They love to play the game. That's why they're in the NFL. And still a simple dispute should still result in having games and that's why we love the NFL and the NFL can't keep making money otherwise because there is no games and also Roger Goodell obviously not making that much money these days as he said he would make only one dollar every day for for the duration of the lockout compared to his regular salary although some are not really sure that's actually happening uh... right certainly What's uh, definitely a bit funny about this
1: lockout is the entire thing is over finances, the collective bargaining agreement. The owners want a bigger cut, uh, which makes some sense to some degree. Player contracts have been rising a lot. We see some of these contracts rookies are getting these days. They are rather ridiculous. Um, but at the same time, nobody's making money with the NFL and lockout. Certainly nobody happy about this. But I think the thing that people are ignoring a bit, they're looking at the finances and whatnot, is you have to look at the effect that this is actually going to have on teams. Because teams can't communicate right now. There's not allowed to be contact between coaches and players. Um, And if you look at a team, I mean, if you think about a team like maybe the New England Patriots or the Indianapolis Colts, it probably won't affect them a ton because they've got their established system. They've got their superstar quarterback. They can just go in and figure everything out in whatever period of time they have. But you look at a team who's maybe trying to build a bit. I mean, maybe the Cleveland Browns, even, who had a bigot finish to last year. Or one of these teams that are constantly trying to change things around. I don't know, maybe the Miami Dolphins. Or a team looking for a quarterback like the Arizona Cardinals. And I think that's going to have a big impact for what they can do on the field. I think it limits them to a large degree.
2: Yes, and also, the players and... Also, what they want is more benefits, more retirement benefits, because numerous players have been reporting that they get barely anything, even though their career was ended, or possible future advances in careers were destroyed because of an injury maybe they sustained in the NFL that ended their career, and now they can't work just for their families, and still they're not getting enough money, and they're not getting representation, and real, really what the players are fighting for now is... Health care throughout the NFL, even after the career is over,
1: right? Certainly, concussions have been a big issue uh, with the NFL in recent years. We know Aaron Rodgers is a guy who last year played through, uh, who essentially played through a concussion with that extra padded helmet, and certainly looking up on the concussion safety. Um, You think the NFL might almost be able to circumvent some of these major problems, some of the health care they need to provide, um, with a better understanding of concussions if they were able to prevent players from getting the severe damage that um, repeat concussions can cause. Um, But yeah, I think if you're looking at a team who's looking to find a quarterback or change up their system, I think this lockout's going to have a big impact on those teams Um, before the lockout I was picking the Cleveland Browns to maybe surprise some people I really liked what Colt McCoy did at the end of last year I felt like they had a very good coaching staff in place Um, but frankly with this lockout they just don't have the time to get their act together assuming they're not going assuming that they get out of the lockout before the season starts and players and teams simply have shortened time to prepare for the season I think a team like the Browns or the Cardinals isn't going to have a chance to get new players acclimated and get their systems running.
2: But also, I would say that there could be a chance that there could be a shortened season or maybe even no season. As the NFL has already said, that odds are they're probably not going to use any replacement players, which was a system that they tried to do in the 70s. Right.
1: Replacement players certainly always very controversial, and I think a smart decision to not go for those. Um, The NFL has mentioned that weeks two and four in the NFL have no conference games um, for next year's schedule. Uh, So those two weeks, they've essentially admitted they could throw away if they need to, um, allowing the teams to miss, essentially just miss two weeks come back, play their Week 3 games, and then play their Week 1 games in Week 4 um, without missing either any premier rivalries or missing um, the things that really impacted the playoff races. So there's certainly a factor there. The NFL is certainly preparing for missing some time. We're certainly
2: all hoping it doesn't come to that. Speaking of different types of games, one of the things that the NFL owners and Commissioner Roger Goodell has looked at may be happening is maybe having an 18-game schedule and taking away two of the preseason games and instead turning those to regular season games. Although some players aren't in favor of that because they think it's already a tough enough total playing 16 games, Imagine having to play 18 games, and then possibly a playoffs and eventually make it to the Super Bowl, which could result... And a total of about 22 games in a season, which is really taking a toll and shortens many people's careers in the NFL, which are already short enough, I'd say.
1: Uh, certainly a very controversial thing. Uh, certainly a lot of different opinions on that. So if you'd like to email the show, get your opinion heard on that. Send it to voiceamericakids at com. Make sure you mention one of our names. That's Jason and Fabian, and the name of the show, of course, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something. Ask questions that we can answer or mention on the air. You never know. Our opinion. Um So yeah, certainly, an 18-game schedule, one of the things that the Players Association was most upset with, I know, as far as things suggested for this collective bargaining agreement. And I've got to agree with the Players Association in this one. We've seen injuries take a dramatic toll on seasons and on entire careers. I mean, you look at a guy like Carson Palmer. He hasn't been the same since he tore up his uh, knee during the postseason during a Bengals playoff run. Um, You look at a guy like Chris Jenkins, the defensive tackle formerly with the Jets. They've released him since. Uh, one of the most dynamic players in the league. Uh, same thing with him, tearing up his knees in two consecutive seasons, really having a dramatic impact on his team and his career. Um, I think the thing the NFL really needs to look at right now is to look at the NHL. I mean, you've got the NHL in their playoff swing, and because of the number of highly physical games they play, you look at a lot of injuries. And the NHL simply accepts that a guy like Sidney Crosby might miss the entire playoffs, whereas with what the NFL has seen with Tom Brady missing the entire season, I don't think they really want to take that chance
2: again. Yes, and also I think the NFL already has a reputation of being too long of a season maybe and having too many injuries as the NFL motto, as I say jokingly, is not for long. Exactly. The NFL, the injury-plagued league already, certainly wouldn't like to see those increase. Yes, and also one of the other hot topics would be the implementation of new rules and new fines for head-to-head hits or con- hits that lead to concussions. We saw a little bit of that last season, especially with J.K. G- fine numerous times. Right. James Harrison, the most hated man in
1: the league, or at least he'll tell you so. Um, and from what I've heard from NFL analysts, from former players, and from people with a very good understanding of the game, is they seem to be in support of these fines. Um, is You have to look at the way that players are tackling, and a lot of players are flat-out tackling incorrectly these days. Um, they're essentially using their bodies as weapons to take down the opposing players, launching themselves, using their helmet to take them down. Um, players need to lead with the shoulder, not with the helmet, wrap guys up, and take them down, and they can avoid these problems.
2: Yes, also, thing is, some people talk that also with eliminating injuries could also be with the new kickoff rules, which many people are actually very much against as it essentially taking away the, kickoff, the factor of the kickoff return, which has really made a great comeback in recent years with players such as Devin Hester and also Leon Washington have been great kick and punt returners who pretty much make their careers off kicking and punts returnings.
1: Right, obviously what you're talking about is the, the uh, decision to move forward the line from which play, uh, players and teams kick off from. Uh, certainly, I agree, going to have a major impact on those players and on teams entirely. You look at that Chicago Bears team, they're not a great offensive team. They do get a significant amount of their points from Devin Hester kickoff returns. Uh, And we'll certainly see the kickoff return will have the most exciting plays in the NFL. I imagine that might have an impact on ratings. We'll see if this kickoff decision sticks around for the long haul. So now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Uh, Keep it right here on Speaking of Sports. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
2: Now, back into the action. Welcome to the program on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. And we're here on Speaking of Sports. And right now we're going to be talking about our new segment, which is Sports and States. And now we're going to lead off Sports and States, our first segment of it, with our home state of Arizona. If you would like to email the show, send it to VoiceAmericaKids at yahoo.com and make sure to mention my name, Fabian. Or my name, Jason. And mention the name of the show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something something, or you can ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. Uh, So yeah, we're kicking things off with Arizona sports here on Sports and
1: States. Um, So yeah, Arizona, not the longest history as a state, but certainly some interesting history as a sporting town. Um, oftentimes, not really thought of as one of the elite sport town, sport states in America. Um, but if you look at it, we've seen some pretty decent success in a lot of sports uh, from a lot of our
2: sports franchises in a lot of different sports here in Arizona. Yeah, one of those examples are the Phoenix Suns, who have been around since 1968, the longest tenured Arizona sports team, and they have actually the fourth highest winning percentage in NBA history, which is quite astounding since in their forty. 40- plus years, they haven't even won a championship, although they have made great runs in the playoffs numerous times, and have gone to the finals in 1976 and 1993, putting up good series, losing both times in six games. Uh, Right, certainly the Suns seeing not just a couple of good
1: teams, but uh, certainly a series of good teams led by star players uh, like Charles Barkley or Steve Nash, guys who have really been able to carry the Suns to these big regular season winning percentages. Um, yeah, and just a team that has never been able to quite get over that championship hump. Uh, certainly a lot of controversial issues, some close calls for the Suns, uh, but certainly one of the better franchises in the NBA. This is a team that's been consistently good for a very long time now. As you said, fourth highest winning percentage, and they've really got had a great thing going in this Steve Nash era.
2: Yes, they've always been known as kind of a running gun franchise. Lots of high-flying, fast-paced players, Lots of good guards, especially in these last couple of decades, like players such as Jason Kidd, Stephon Marbury, uh, Kevin Johnson, and, of course, Steve Nash. Uh, right, exactly,
1: a team... A franchise with a bit of an identity um, the running gun style that's come in with Mike D'Antoni who is certainly now left uh, but that seems to have stuck around for at least a, a while now we'll see if that sticks around and stays an identity as a team um, but yeah exactly big time guard play some big time point guards out here in Phoenix and we'll see if they're able to continue with that in the future Steve Nash getting up there in age We'll see if the Suns can continue with a high flying running run-and-gun offense. That requires a lot of
2: big-time point guard play that they've gotten out of Steve Nash over the past few years. Also, of course, you see in the NBA lots of older point guards still making it happen, like 38-year-old Jason Kidd, who's still knocking down threes like crazy. And, of course, Steve Nash still doing crazy stuff kids half his age can't do. Exactly, and that's what's made the Suns such a
1: storied franchise, is the success of some of these players. Uh, a lot of them not just with success in Phoenix. You look at some guys who have had big years elsewhere. Uh, Jason Kidd also, of course, not just now in Dallas, but also in New Jersey. Steve Nash back in his days in Dallas. Um, but a lot of these guys who have put together big years in Phoenix, even if that's not where they spent their entire
2: careers. Yes, and also we've had lots of great players who have come here at the end of their careers, beginning of their careers, somewhat jump-starting. And also sometimes we've had people who have just had the highlight of their career in Phoenix ever since and haven't done as well, showing how Phoenix, the city of Phoenix, maybe the way they play, has really helped, impacted and helped some people's careers. One example of that is Sean Marion, who is really an all-star here, put up 18-plus points a game, 10-plus rebounds a game, was really athletic, superstar, all-star. One time he was named like all NBA third team numerous times and ever since then hasn't quite had that same ability. He has shown some of that at times, but hasn't been quite the all star he has been in teams that he's been with since, such as Miami, Toronto and Dallas. Right. With a guy like Marion, you gotta wonder if it's maybe his age, if
1: uh, maybe he just didn't have any more good years left in him, or maybe you're right, if it's the system that the Suns ran, that running gun system that really helped him out. Uh, Marion has shown some signs of life, as you mentioned, putting up some big games, uh, some big games and even playoff games with the Dallas Mavericks this year, um, but certainly not the superstar he
2: was uh, in his time in Phoenix. Also, Phoenix Suns have had numerous big men coming through that have been really big impacts, especially these last decade. We've seen Shaquille O'Neal come in with a couple of good seasons for the Suns, Amari Starmer, who was definitely a big impact for the Suns, and also lots of veteran guys coming through like Kurt Thomas and always lots of great veterans and known lots of great bench players. Like in t- A couple of years ago, they had Andrew Barbosa win sixth man of the year who was really well-known around Phoenix and really was big impact until last year when he started to tail off this production. Uh, right, and Barbosa, another very good guard you can
1: mention, the Brazilian Boer as they like to call him back in his days with the Suns. Uh, Barbosa is certainly a very serviceable sixth man um, and another guy whose career is kind of tailed off. Um, but if we look at Arizona sports, they do go beyond this Suns as we look at the team uh, who's most recently won a championship in the major sports, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks.
2: Yes, although you could argue that WNBA could be considered a major that's sport. That's true, the major men's sports, let's correct yes. ourselves. Uh, and Arizona Diamondbacks really have had either been really, really good or really, really bad throughout their career and throughout their tenure here in Arizona and throughout their tenure in Major League Baseball. They haven't really met in that 500 or consistent team in their their time here, they started out really strong having lots of great players like Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling that great one-two punch from the late 90s to the early 2000s really probably had one of the best pitching rotations in baseball had some of the best talent like defensive wizards like Mark Grace and also great hitters like Luis Gonzalez and had great bench and lots of young talent that came through and ever since has come through and really been successful in the major leagues Uh, Exactly. Diamondbacks, certainly a franchise easier to look at
1: their history uh, than a team with a long history like the Suns. The Diamondbacks only a few years of existence before they were able to get over that championship, uh, the struggles of winning a championship. They matched 1 1 2001. And exactly, you're right, going back to Randy Johnson, that's the kind of guy who he had success elsewhere before he came to Arizona, um, but then joining the Diamondbacks is where he really blossomed after his time in Seattle. Uh, Randy Johnson's period with the Diamondbacks, one of the most dominating periods of any pitcher in
2: baseball history, really. Yeah, it's pretty much probably the best run by a left-hand pitcher, which could be comparable to Sandy Koufax's nine, five-year run during the early— which was probably one of the best in Major League Baseball history Randy Johnson was phenomenal and also he was pretty solid after he left Arizona although he was getting up there in years and a couple of years ago he did finally reach that 300 win plateau before finally retiring and Kurt Schilling also another example decently successful before really turned into a great great pitcher during his tenure with the Diamondbacks. though really became probably the most consistent pitcher and then afterwards left on and won another championship with the Boston Red Sox in 2004 and 2007. And really became a successful player.
1: Uh, speaking of Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling, a uh, graduate from one of uh, Arizona's high school. Uh, Arizona, not really known as a hotbed for many, for athletes in a ton of different sports, but certainly known for producing some big-time baseball players, uh, especially guys currently in the majors. Obviously, Kurt Schilling these days retired from baseball, but certainly a big-time player out of
2: Arizona. Yeah, one example is maybe Colby Rasmus. I, actually, no, not Colby Rasmus, but... Uh, A couple other players like Ian Kinsler and uh, Dustin Pedroia went to Arizona State University, which has really turned into a powerhouse. And over the years, it produced greats such as Reggie Jackson and Barry Bonds, who was very good during his tenure.
1: Exactly, those two names alone just demonstrate what Arizona State is as far when it comes to baseball. Um, very few schools are able to say that they've produced two legendary players um, like Jackson and Bonds. And then exactly, continuing into uh, the future, into recent years, producing big-time players like Ian Kinsler, Dustin Pedroia, um, gathering not just the in-state talent that we've mentioned, guys you know, coming out of high school here, but also bringing in players from other states like Pedroia and
2: Kinsler were. And some examples of like high school players who have been successful are Andre Ethier, who went to St. Mary's High School here. And also, it's not just been baseball as well. There's also been lots of great other athletes like Lance who who's a Pro Bowl linebacker currently for the Chicago Bears, went to Chandler High School here in Chandler, Arizona, which is one of the oldest high schools in Arizona and really known for its good sports. Even though they haven't won a state championship since 1947, they have produced really great teams. Uh, exactly, certainly big time in other sports. Mostly known
1: for the baseball, you've got Ike Davis on top of some of these uh, other players. Uh, but yeah, Lance Briggs, a big time football player. So Arizona, not often thought of as really one of the dominant sporting uh, towns in America, but a lot of success. Uh, one of the things that makes them what that makes Arizona stand out is its representation in virtually every sport. And we know some of that is actually at risk with the current state of the Phoenix Coyotes. Yes,
2: Coyotes have been really good those last two years, making the playoffs, but ever since going to bankruptcy, they're hoping to get an owner that hopes to keep them in Arizona, like the primary owner will go. Definitely going to be a
1: big impact uh, on the entirety of the state of Arizona, and of course the entirety of the NHL, where the Phoenix Coyotes wind up playing. Uh, That's going to do it. Thanks for joining us. You can listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com. Contact us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Mention our names, that's Jason and Fabian, and of course our show, Speaking of Sports, and we'll answer any response. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And this has been Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show.
2: You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio.
0: The future of online TV is here.